Father, we thank you now for this sacred place, for this holy ground, for this healing moment, God. We thank you that in our tears, you're healing us. And as we sing, you are healing us. That as we pray, God, you are healing us. As we moan, you heal us. As we sit in silence, God, you heal us. Because you are a present and active God. So, Lord, we thank you today for this privilege of worship that we have. We thank you that we stand in your presence. That when we lift up our voices, God, we're not speaking to the air or to the ceiling. We're speaking to the God of all creation. So, Lord, today we stand in this place in need of your healing touch. And so, Lord, we thank you for the privilege of gathering together as your people. And we ask, Lord, that you would now have your way. Thank you for every song that's been sung today. Thank you for every prayer that's been lifted up. Thank you now, God, that we get to look at your word and find life and light find correction and encouragement, and ultimately find a deepening relationship with you. God, I pray that you would take this one message and divide it up as many ways as needed so that each person in this room, every brother and sister joining us online would know without a shadow of a doubt that you're speaking something to them today. Father, we love you. We're grateful to know that you first loved us be with us now in Jesus' name. And all God's people say together, amen, amen, amen. Good morning, sanctuary. Can you put your hands together and help me thank God for our worship team and our band, for our production teams, for our staff and volunteers who help us to make Sundays happen. There are so many people who work behind the scenes to make all of this possible so that we might come together and worship uh, the Father in spirit and in truth, and I'm certainly grateful for, for all of their partnership and ministry. Uh, it, it is an honor and a privilege to have this chance today to stand before you on this Mother's Day Sunday, and I, I'd just like to say a very special Mother's Day to all of our moms in our church, um, and, and moms in all forms, in all the forms that motherhood takes. I especially today want to honor my own mother, um, who I'm sure will see this uh, at some point this week. Um, Teresa Williams, my mom, uh, the, the blessing of a mom that God gave me. Uh, my, my wife as well, Shaniqua, uh, the mother of my two girls who partners in life and ministry to allow me to serve the church in the way that I do. Um, but for all of you today who are mothers here at Sanctuary, we honor you, we celebrate you, and we thank God for you. Uh, we want to take some time today to uh, just celebrate who you are, what you do in our lives and in the life of our church and community. Um, and so we want to encourage you, as Lisa said earlier, uh, stop by the photo booth after service and get a picture uh, with your family or with your friends and others. Um, we, we set it up as do-it-yourself. And so whether you have an iPhone or, um, or not, um, I, I have a bit of a confession. A few weeks ago, um, our, our staff team was doing something, and there's a member of our team, Ms. Francine, who has said, I will never have an iPhone. And uh, she took a picture, 
And her picture was actually better than all of ours. And so I, I need some. I, I'll never confess that again. So um, watch the replay if you ever want to hear that again. But I, I need some new material when it comes to, to uh, Android users. But whatever kind of phone you have, uh, we would encourage you, stop by the photo booth, take a photo today, um, share it in all the places you usually share. If you're on social media, uh, please tag us as a church so that we can uh, see it and reshare it out and would love to be able to celebrate you in that way. And then we have, uh, of course, a, a small token, a, a gift that we want to share with all the women of our church. And so please stop by the table on your way out if you haven't already to grab, grab that. Um, today's message is titled, The Power of praying women, the power of praying women. And I want to invite you today to, to think about, even as we share this message, think about the women that God has used in your life to pray for you and the difference that has made in your life. The power of praying women. In this season of life, one of the, the real joys that I have is the joy of praying with and for my mother. Praying with my mother is a joy for me in this season. My mom and I talk on the phone um, most weeks, every day, for a few moments. Sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's seven minutes, sometimes it goes along and it's, it's 45 minutes. Um, but we, we talk almost every day, and my mom knows pretty much my schedule, and so she'll catch me when I'm driving into the office or when I'm leaving the office. But every now and then, my mom will call me at night. She knows I go to bed early because I wake up early, but sometimes she'll call me, and it'll be after 9. I go to bed at 9, and it'll be after 9. And my, if my mom calls me after 9, I know she's calling me so that we can pray together. She'll say, Ed, that's what she calls me. She'll say, Ed... Can we go in prayer? That's what she says. Ed, can we go in prayer? And it's a joy, but it's also intriguing to be able to pray for my mom because my mother, long before I could pray for myself, my mother prayed for me. I, I know what it is to wake up in the middle of the night and have your mother pleading the blood of Jesus over you in the middle of the night. And I'm like, Ma, the bus is coming in the morning. I, I know what it's like to wake up in the middle of the night, forehead glistening because she's anointed you as you slept. My mother prayed for me. In, in 1994, the gospel singer Dorothy Norwood wrote a song that says, My mother prayed for me, had me on her mind, took the time and prayed for me. I'm so glad she prayed. I'm so glad she prayed. I'm so glad she prayed for me. Dorothy Norwood wrote that song in 1994, and she was telling my story when she sang that song. Friends, my mother prayed for me. I, I am who I am, and I am where I am because of the power of that praying woman. But my mother knew well enough not just to pray for me, for herself, my mother was also careful to surround me with other praying women. My grandmother was a praying woman. My aunties were praying women. 
the church ladies there at the Second Providence Baptist Church, they, they called me the little roundhead boy. I don't know why, but that's what they called me growing up. They prayed for me. My bus driver even had the audacity to pray for me. When I was in fourth grade, many of you won't believe this, but when I was in fourth grade, I got caught cursing in the boys' bathroom. I was telling a story. It wasn't like an original curse. I was telling a story to my friends of something I had heard, and I was standing right in front of the door. I should have known better, but I was cursing, and I, reached the, I, I got to the point in the story where I had to decide, am I going to say the curse words or not? And that day, I felt like going for it. And so I, I told the story with the curse words in it, and one of my mom's friends worked at the school, Miss Christine Mack, and she was walking by the bathroom right at that point in the story. And she heard me, and she called me out of the bathroom, and she said, I'm going to tell your mother. I thought Miss Christine Mack, who was an older woman, I, I was certain she would forget and so I wasn't too concerned at that point. But at the end of the day, as I was walking to the school bus, I saw her, Miss Christine Matt, talking to my bus driver, Miss Wanda Schuler, and she was telling her what I had done in that bathroom. Then I began to get concerned. Because Miss Christine Mack didn't come to our house. She, she saw my mom, and they used to work together at one point, but she didn't regularly come to our house. I thought I was in the clear when it was just her. But when she told my bus driver, who had to drive that bus to my house, I knew I was in trouble. And so from the moment we left the school that day until we reached the front steps of my grandmother's house, I was concerned. I was worried. I had to go to the bathroom a little bit because I knew what was going to happen. And, and Ms. Wanda Shuler was a praying woman she, she, she saw me concerned, and when we got to my grandmother's house, rather than letting me get off the bus, she pulled me to the side, pulled me to her seat. She grabbed both of my little hands, and she prayed for me. She prayed for me. She prayed for me, and as she prayed, I, I felt the anxiety going away. I felt the fear going away. I felt the concern going away. I was even encouraged as she prayed for me. And I turned from her, and I walked down those steps. And as I looked out of the corner of my eyes, I saw her unbuckle her belt, <laughs> come down off that bus, and come to the front door. She told on me after she prayed for me. My grandmother told my mother, and my mother gave me the business that evening. Ms. Wanda Schuler, even though she snitched on me, prayed for me. She was a praying woman. Sanctuary, there have been throughout my life women who have prayed for me, who have encouraged me through prayer, and who are responsible in many ways for what God is doing in my life and through my life right now. That's, that's my story. Thank you for letting me testify today, but I have a sneaky suspicion, church, that I'm not alone in this. Many of you in this room have women who have prayed for you. Many of you have praying mothers. 
Many of you have praying grandmothers. Many of you have praying aunties, nosy neighbors who prayed for you, church mothers who prayed for you, teachers and even snitching bus drivers who prayed for you. And if we would take an honest assessment today of our live sanctuary, I believe everybody in this room could say honestly that at a critical moment in my life, there was a woman who prayed for me. And since we're being honest today, we might as well acknowledge this fact as well. Our lives are better because these women prayed for us. Their prayers encouraged us when the world sought to tear us down, amen? That their prayers helped us to persevere when everything within us was screaming, give up. Their, their prayers have pointed us to Jesus when life had our vision too blurry to even see Jesus. Something happens when a woman prays. Situations change when women pray. Heaven stands at attention when women pray. And I thank God today for the power of praying women. Friends, this is not just a feel-good Mother's Day message. I'm not just saying this so that my mother and my wife and the women of our church feel good today. This is Bible. You see, from beginning to end, the Bible is packed with powerful stories of women who prayed and changed the course of history. When we look at God's word, everywhere we look, we see the power of praying women. Can I call a few witnesses today, sanctuary? I said, can I call a few witnesses today, sanctuary? I need y'all to help me preach this thing if we're going to get through it. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, we read the story of a sister named Hannah. Hannah was a woman who was desperately desiring to, to, to have children. She, she could not conceive, the Bible says. In fact, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 5, says that the Lord had closed Hannah's womb. Hannah was ridiculed and mocked by the other women in her family. And, and she, she, she had to deal with not only the pain of not being able to conceive, she had to deal with their ridicule. But in the time of her suffering, Hannah knew well enough to turn to God. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10 and 11 says that in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. The Bible says that Hannah pours out her heart to God. She, she begs God for a son, and she says to the Lord, Lord, if you will only look on me, if you will only see my misery, if you will only remember me and give me a son, I'll dedicate him back to you for all of his days. Hannah, Hannah prays to God. God answers her prayer and gives Hannah a son named Samuel. Hannah nurses this boy to the age of three, and then she gives him back to the Lord, dedicating him and handing him over to the prophet Eli there at the temple. And this baby boy, Samuel, goes on to become a prophet, one of the most influential leaders in all of Israel's history. And it all started because Hannah was a praying woman. That's Hannah. I also want to call to the stand today a sister by the name of Deborah. We read Deborah's story in the book of Judges, chapter 4. Deborah was a prophetess and a judge in Israel. 
And during the time of the Canaanites, they, they were oppressing the people of God. And Judges 4 begins by saying that the Israelites, as they often did, did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And so the Lord sold them into the hands of the king of Canaan. And for 20 years, they cried out to the Lord for help. The Lord brings along Deborah, who was Israel's leader at that time. And she calls on a military leader by the name of Barak. She calls him to lead an army in a mission against their oppressors, the Canaanites. Barak's response to her tells us something about the power of this woman, Deborah, because Barak refused to go to battle against their oppressors without Deborah. Judges chapter 4, verse 8 says this, Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. And so Deborah went up to battle with Barak and his men. She no doubt prayed for their success, and they were victorious in battle. And in the end, they liberated Israel after 20 years of oppression. And it happened because, brothers and sisters, Deborah was a praying woman. There's one more witness I want to call today, a sister who, who did not have any official government position. She, she was not connected to the temple at all. She was, in many ways, a regular woman who prayed for her family and changed the course of their lives. There's a woman by the name of Abigail that I'm talking about. In 1 Samuel chapter 25, this sister Abigail comes to the forefront. You see, David was on the run from King Saul, and he comes to a place now near Carmel, and there he meets a very wealthy man named Nabal. Nabal was married to this woman named Abigail. In 1 Samuel chapter 25 and verse 3 says this, she, she Abigail, was intelligent and be a beautiful woman, but her husband was surly and mean in his dealings. David, King David and his men camped out near Nabal's estate, and without being asked, they began to protect the land from various dangers. But David and his men began to run out of food and nourishment, and so one day David sends 10 of his men to Nabal, this very wealthy man, and he asks him for food, for water, and for whatever else he could offer them. Nabal refused them angrily and sent them away saying, I don't know who this David is, and I don't know David's daddy either. David heard this as disrespect. And David summons 400 of his mighty men, and he marches towards Nabal's property, and his intent is to kill him. But Abigail learned of David's actions. She, she sprung into action. She prepared enormous amounts of food, she prepared gifts, and she began to pursue David on a donkey. And as soon as she saw David, she fell on her face, and she delivered the most humble and heartfelt plea to spare her husband's household. Abigail speaks to David, but in a similar way, she speaks beyond David and offers up a prayer of desperation to God. That's what we see in 1 Samuel chapter 25. Verse 24 through 26, this is, this is what the, the scriptures say. Abigail says, pardon your servant, my Lord, 
Please pay no attention, my Lord, to that wicked man, Nabal. He is just like his name. His name means fool. And folly goes with him. And now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives, and as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, may your enemies and all who are intent on harming you be like Nabal. She pleads on behalf of her silly husband. She, she pleads on behalf of his short-sightedness. She intercedes and she prays and she gets David to listen and change his plans. How do we know that? In 1 Samuel 25, verse 34, David says this to Abigail. If you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male would have been left alive by daybreak. Abigail was not only beautiful, as the Bible says. She was not only intelligent, as the Bible says. Abigail prevented a catastrophe because Abigail was a praying woman. Sanctuary, these three women, Hannah, Deborah, and Abigail, their stories were very different. The situations that they faced and they found themselves in were very different. Their personalities were very different. Therefore, their prayers probably looked different, sounded different, and the timing of the answers to their prayers were all different. Why does this matter, Pastor Edrin? I say this to you as an encouragement. Don't worry about looking like somebody else when you pray. Just pray. Don't worry about sounding like somebody else when you pray. Just pray. As you pray, don't worry about keeping receipts that prove that your prayers have been answered. My sister, just pray. Whatever you do, don't stop praying because there's something that happens when women pray. I want to offer three quick encouragements, and then I'm going to let you go to get the brunch this morning. Here's the first Encouragement for you, my sisters, here on this, mother, this Mother's Day. Pray for those in your care. Pray for those in your care. While the responsibilities, my sisters, that fall on you are vast and they seem to be growing all the time, one of the most impactful things that you can do in the lives of those you care for is to pray for them. Whether you are a mother a grandmother, an auntie, a church mother, a big sister, a mother on the block, if you want to care well for people, pray for them. Why should you pray for them? Pray because your prayers are a way of commending them to God. When you pray, you say to those in your care that my love for you is great, but God's love for you is even greater. When you pray, you acknowledge that you want to give them your very best, and you believe that God is the very best thing that you can give them. When you pray, you acknowledge to them that I'm going to love you with all my heart for as long as I can, but at the very same time, you acknowledge that God's love for them is everlasting. Sister, don't pray as a last resort. Pray because prayer is your best weapon. Pastor, what should we pray then? 
Pray that God's will will be done in their lives. Pray that they will discover the truth of who God say they are. Pray that God's truth will permeate their hearts and minds in a world that sends all sorts of lies their way. Pray that the enemy's tricks will not take root in their lives. My sister, hear me today. If you love them, pray for them because something happens when women pray. Pray for those in your care. But I want to encourage you today to also teach those in your care to pray for themselves. My oldest daughter, Taylor, was born 13 years ago, and I had served as a youth pastor for close to a decade at the time she was born, and I felt like I knew a lot about being a parent. Having never had kids before, I I thought I knew something about being a parent. The moment she was born, I I wanted to go back and apologize to every single parent I had ever given my unsolicited advice to. (laughs) My my perspective changed when she came into the world. I I was so excited about becoming a dad that there was something that was out back in the day called a legacy countdown app. I, I think we have a picture of it, if we can put that on the screen. It's an app where when your kids are born, you can put in their birth date and it will give you a countdown clock to tell you how long it is until they turn 18. <laughs> I, I was so out there, I, I had this on my, on my cell phone, and, and it would tell me how many days and months and weeks and hours I had until she turned 18. I kept it for about two weeks, and then my anxiety got so great that I had to erase it. While I would not recommend that app for anybody, it did give me a perspective, though. I don't have her whole life to teach her the things I want to teach her. There is a a, a space where I do have influence in her life. But one day, she's going to make her own. She's already trying to make her own (laughs) rules. And so it gave me a perspective to say, I need to be really intentional. My wife and I need to be really intentional to say, what are the things that we want to teach our daughter in that window before she becomes an adult and moves on to do her own thing? What are the things I want to, we want to teach them about their culture and their identity? What are the things that we want to teach them about finances? What are the things we want to teach them about relationships before these little knucklehead boys start coming around. It's, it's not too hard to come up with a list of things, a solid list of things. And my, my encouragement to you as parents, and I say this as, as someone who's on the journey with you, take the intentional time to create a list of the things you would love to, to, to be able to speak into in the life of your child before it's too late. And as you're creating that list for yourself, don't forget to have prayer be one of those things. I don't want to simply have my daughters be able to handle their finances well and not know how to pray. I don't simply want them to be be confident in who they are as black women and not know how to pray. Near the top of the list that we created for our girls was the, the ability to pray for themselves and for others. 
And parents, I want to encourage you today because prayer is as much caught as it is taught. So let them see you pray. Talk to them about why you pray for them and what you pray for them. Get them in the habit of praying for themselves and others. Maybe you, you wanted to hear this message five years ago, ten years ago, but it's never too late to start now teaching your children how to pray for themselves and others. One of the simple ways to do it, just ask them at night. As we pray, I'll pray first, and then you add something there at the end. Let's pray together. As you model that for them, they will learn how to pray for themselves and for others. Pray for those in your care. Teach those in your care to pray for themselves and others. The final thing I want to say to us today before we go is this. Walk with those in your care as they learn to live prayerful lives. You see, prayer comes in various forms. Prayers can be verbal, yes. But prayers can also be nonverbal. There are times where we can't find the words to pray. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is our advocate in that moment, and he prays on our behalf. Prayers can be verbal or nonverbal, but I also believe that your life, your daily life, is a prayer. Your, your daily life is a part of your communing with God. It is a part of you communing back and forth with God. Your life is a prayer. And sisters of sanctuary, hear me when I say this. A part of caring well for those in your life, especially as they grow into young adulthood, is to simply walk with them as they learn how to live prayerful lives. I started by talking about my mom praying for me when I was young. But my mom didn't stop praying for me as I got older. I turned 20 in the year 2000, the 99s and the 2000s, amen. And I remember that very well because my life was a case study for God's grace. I was out there. I didn't get to do much in my, my elementary and high school years. And so when I made it to college, I wanted to test all of God's grace. I went some places that I should not have gone. But my mother prayed for me, and she walked with me through it. I did some things that I should not have done, but my mother walked with me, and she prayed for me through those storms. I got into some stuff that I'm not even sure to this day my mother understood, but she walked with me, and she prayed for me until I was able to pray for myself. If it wasn't for my mother's sanctuary, I'd probably be somewhere locked up right now. If it wasn't for my praying mother's sanctuary, I'd probably be somewhere strung out right now. If it wasn't for my praying mother, I, I would probably be somewhere even dead right now. But my mother walked beside me. She encouraged me. And I'm standing here today because she prayed me through. Sanctuary women, hear me when I say this. Don't stop praying because something happens when you pray. Our, our families are blessed when you pray. Our churches are blessed when you pray. Our communities are blessed when you pray, amen. Our, our nations, nations are blessed when you pray. 
Not only that, sisters, you are blessed when you pray. And so I know today and every day there are a, a run, there's a running list of responsibilities that you have. There's always something and somebody pulling on you to say there's something more you should be doing. I want to encourage you today as your pastor that in the midst of all those things, let one of those things, the priority be to simply pray. We need your prayers. We don't make it without your prayers. God has given you a vision to see things that many of us can't see. God has given you a grace to lead in places that many of us can't lead, sanctuary women. Our church would not be the church we are without the power of you, a family of praying women. So as we close this message today, I want to ask all the women in the room to just stand where they are. They're at the seat. I want to invite all of you to stand and extend your hands like this. Perhaps you're here today, and this is the first time you've heard that there's power in your prayer. Perhaps this is the first time you've heard that it matters when you pray. I want to encourage you today to lean fully into the call that God has on your life. We would not be the sanctuary we are if it were not for you praying women. Your families would not be blessed in the ways that they are if it were not for your prayers. So whether you've been praying for a long time or whether today is the first day you start to pray, I want to encourage you, lean into your identity as a praying woman, as one who knows how to get a prayer through, one who causes heaven to pause when they pray, one who prays on behalf of others, but also prays on behalf of themselves. God loves you, my sister. God sees you, my sister. And God responds to you, your prayers today and every day. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for these sisters in this room and those who are watching online. God, I thank you for the ways you have gifted them. I thank you for the ways, God, you have created them to know you, to worship you, to be led by you. God, I pray today for the women of our church that they might see themselves in the way that you see them. You've created them and gifted them and called them, and you've poured bits and pieces of yourself into them. God, we acknowledge that in many churches and in many seasons of life that we've not lifted up our sisters in the way that we should. God, we confess today that we can do better. We promise today that we will do better. And God, right now, and I pray that every sister in this room, every sister watching online would feel your presence in them, would know that they are seen and loved and known by you. And God, I ask right now that their lives would be blessed, that everything they touch would be blessed, that their words would carry the power and the strength and the anointing that can only come from you. God, I pray that you would open their eyes to see themselves the way that you see them.
God, I pray that you would heal them from the lies that the enemy has told them in various seasons of their lives. And God, I pray that they would leave this place today with a new sense of who they are in you, Jesus. Father, we love you. We love you. We thank you, God, that we get to be on journey with so many incredible women of God. God, let us be a blessing to them in the ways that they've been a blessing to so many of us. We pray this now in Jesus' name. And all God's people say together, amen. Can we put our hands together and thank God for our women of sanctuary, please?